is a box, a musical box, wound up and ready to play. Can you guess what is in it today? smile on every face what gives the seaside style what is the jolly day holiday place so oh, it sticks out half a mile yes the pier sticks out half a mile into the sea there's something there for everyone it's 31,680 inches of fun where can you walk right out to sea with dry feet all the while what is the jolliest place to be oh wouldn't you love to come with me i'll say no more cause obviously it sticks out half a mile And hello and welcome. This is Box 39 with me, Bill Lawrence, coming live, entirely live, from Studio One on the fourth floor of Colm Radio Towers. And I'm joined by Adrian Cohen in the Musicology Library, down in Studio Four on the first floor, and by my guest presenter this week, someone recently described by the Guardian newspaper, no less, as an unlicensed maverick street poet who strikes a chord with the North East Essex digital gen- Generation, Mr. Mike Harwood. Hello from me. Now there are 56 of them, and as you heard, they can stick out half a mile or more, like a barnacle clad phallic erection saturated in salt water. They are, of course, the pleasure piers that we find all around our coasts. And it is these that we will be investigating tonight. Are they as relevant in our post millennial digital world of apps today as they have been in their Victorian and Edwardian heydays of glamour and excitement when their pre apic presence? drew crowds of excited holidaymakers to the seaside in search of excitement like a soft and stout banana draws a swarm of happy fruit flies. It was only last week that I was speaking to one of the great friends of Box 39 and Colm Radio, the woman whose middle names are family and entertainment. Yes, that is, of course, uh, Sue Pollard, the perennial funny bones. We were talking about the good old days when we were both starting out in the business of show. I was an overnight sensation as the youngest ever senior presenter on North Clacton Radio, and she was struggling to achieve success on the rather adequate BBC TV comedy Heidi High. We would meet up when our schedules and fame allowed at a little coffee bar that overlooked the famous and now lost with an opier, with its seaside summer special theatre shows, its slot machines, and the familiar bunch of unpleasant and rather scruffly unemployed fishermen hoping to catch some of the River Colne's famous mudlark eels to supplement their rather meagre dole checks. We would talk for hours about the new and rising stars that were on the bill at this pier pleasure palace while trying to avoid those whose fame and fortune was waning in case their misfortune would impact upon our trajectories to North East Essex local treasure status. 
Now on that pier, we saw Shawaddy Waddy whip up emotions that could never be fully controlled in a set that lasted over four hours. We played the slot machines alongside a youthful John Prescott who was on leave from a passenger ferry from Hull. And the bloke who worked Nookie the Bear was there as well. And we drank at the Rose and Crown by the pier with the Radio 1 DJs on their annual roadshow at King George V Playing Fields here in Wivenhoe. So, when Sue Pollard would say to me, there's no business like show business, Bill, she could have been saying, there's no better thing to take a stroll along on a sunny summer's afternoon than a traditional British seaside pleasure pier. And how right she would have been. So, let's open Box 39 once more to explore the sounds, the sights, and, well, even the smells of those sea-bound protuberances with our end of the pier show. I'll be sitting when the evening comes Watching the ships rolling Then I'll watch them roll away again I'm just sitting on the dock of the bay Watching the tide roll away I'm sitting on the dock of the bay Wasting time I left my home in Georgia And I headed for the Frisco Bay Cause I've got nothing to live for And look like nothing's gonna come my way So I was excited when Bill told me that this show's theme was to be the word peers. It provides the opportunity to consider very eclectic things. First to come to mind is Piers Morgan, spelled P-I-E-R-S. He is a British broadcaster, journalist, writer and television personality who began his career in 1988 at The Sun. That's when I left Britain partly because of the sun, so I am not so sure what happened beyond that. All I can say is that throughout my travels in Europe and East and Southeast Asia, I've never met anyone who didn't revile him. Then there's Pierce Brosnan, spelt P-I-E-R-C-E, who is an Irish actor and film producer. He is best known as the fifth actor to play secret agent James Bond in the Bond film series, starring in four films from 1995 to 2002. Now, I stopped watching James Bond after that. I hope they bring him back to replace Daniel Craig, whose middle name, incidentally, is Piers, spelt P-I-E-R-S. More later. with Bill Lawrence, Adrian Cohen and Mike Harwood. And this is our End of the Pier show. Our celebration of those magnificent seaside structures, the pleasure piers of East Anglia. Listening to Box 39, magazine of music, community, humour 
and chat live from Studio One at Cold Radio Towers, 106.6 FM, Cold Radio, with myself, Mike Harwood, and Bill Lawrence up here in Studio One, and our musicology guru, Adrian Cohen, in the Music Library. Today's show is the end of the Pier Show. A tribute to those seaside structures, the Pleasure Piers of East Anglia, and a few others around the coast. Now, in the uh, 17th century, the coast was primarily a working environment where merchants, fishermen, and smugglers carried out their trade. But in the 18th century, people started to rediscover the seaside as a leisure playground, encouraged by the rural patronage of resorts. Well, that's right, Mike. And, yeah. uh, coming along the south and east coasts of England in particular, there were, see, there were these great beaches, but no harbours. So anyone coming from abroad, anyone visiting uh, by ship or a boat, they couldn't actually get the ship or the boat up the beach to get off. So well, the solution, what was the solution? The solution was to build piers, which enabled upper-class travellers to step from ship to shore without getting wet and with minimum inconvenience. Well, that's what you want. If you're a, if you're an upper-class traveller, you don't want to yeah. get your feet wet, do you? Absolutely. No. And did you know that uh, Britain's oldest pier um, is Ride in the Isle of Wight? No. Any idea when that was open? Well, I reckon round about Napoleonic times. Pretty good. 200 years ago, something like that? Uh, yeah, yeah, 200 and just a few on July 26th, okay. in fact. But then that was the first one, wasn't it? So... There was a boom, presumably. Yeah, and uh, the reason for that was, of course, the arrival of the ra- railways in ah, 1840. Yes. The seaside opened up to wider public and resorts became places of mass tourism. Ah, tourism. Yeah. That was what it all was about. So, towns then added piers. Yeah. What do you reckon, 1870, how many would you say? Uh, well, I, a dozen. A dozen, maybe. No, no, 40. My goodness. Yeah. Well, I suppose, you know, a lot of people travelling by boat and yeah. they're not going abroad for their holidays, so everyone yeah. wants a pier. Yeah, and piers would be more than just a jetty with a few buildings. Okay. It would have its own um, built-in entertainment. So by the 1870s, purpose-built pleasure piers were being built so all around the coast. This is a bit of a golden age for seaside resorts, a bit of a golden age for piers, the Victorian age. Yep. Business booming. Uh, I know that by the end of Victorian times, we were up to 70 piers around the country, and people went to the pier specifically. They became a focus in their own right. They weren't just saying going to Clacton, they were going, let's go to Clacton Pier. And they had theatres and concert halls and pavilions, and they had to widen the decks on the promenades because there were so many people. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was at his peak, wasn't it? Really around about World War I or just after. That's right. And of course, uh, at the advent of the Second World War, action had to be taken to stop piers being used as um, kind of landing places for invading forces. So uh, what what happened? Um, some of them were breached, so they couldn't um, put their uh, invading ships alongside. Yeah. And many of the piers, because they're on the coast, were bombed, brought death and destruction, fires, and many of them closed. So the decline in visitors obviously took a heavy toll. Yeah, but, um, you know, we're going to talk about today's piers later. We're going to listen to music in a moment, but we've still got piers. You know, we all know there's the three big piers at Blackpool, isn't there? We've got the Brighton Palace Pier, Hastings Pier. There's piers everywhere. And where we live, Mike, we're absolutely spoiled for piers, aren't we? And we're going to be looking, yeah. I've sent you off to investigate some piers, and you're back with your notes. Yeah. We're going to be investigating everywhere from South End, Southwold, Cromer, and uh, we'll be starting just up the road with two piers in easy walking distance from each other, uh, of course, Walton and Clacton. But of course, that's coming after this. 
got this in pocket. I got battle. I am gonna use it. Intention. The House of Lords, also known as the House of Peers, is the upper house of the Parliament in the United Kingdom. One becomes a peer by appointment, or it is an inheritance. Like the House of Commons, the peers meet in the Palace of Westminster in London. And here's another use of the word. Besides close friends, your peers, spelled P-E-E-R-S, include other people you know who are at the same age. Like people in your office, church, sports team or community, these peers also influence you by the way they dress and act and the attitudes they show. Then there's Pierre Pierce, an American professional college basketball player, former member of the University of Iowa's men's team. Pierce was convicted of several crimes relating to a violent incident with a former girlfriend leading to his imprisonment. Talking about peers can turn a little dark sometimes, and there's more to come. I love to polish my box, my special box, my box 39. Well, you are listening to Box 39, and I'm here, Bill Lawrence, and I'm with Mike Harwood as well, and uh, our musicology guru that you heard, Adrian, down there, uh, talking about, uh, because this is the end of the Pier Show, uh, which is our tribute to magnificent seaside structures, but I think there might have been some sort of miscommunication there with Adrian. We'll try and clear that one up. Anyway, just seven miles apart, just seven miles apart, facing the murky waters of the North Sea on the very northeastern tip of the Essex Badlands are two of the loveliest and most unrecognised peers to be found in East Anglia. Yes, and one of them is Walton, described as fun for everyone, whatever the weather. All day fun for everyone. Perfect description, Mike. Yeah, I defy any listeners to uh, not not match that. Uh, yeah. If they come away miserable, I should be disappointed. Yeah. And it's a nostalgic trip down memory lane with a modern twist. Right. And you know why? Because the original 150-foot pier was built in 1830. I see. One of the earliest in the country. And I'm not going to give you the uh, measurements exactly of the second pier because we want to hold our listeners uh, riveted to the box. 
But meanwhile, in 1848, a severe storm, which often happens with piers, they get damaged in storms, but it was extended. And then to come up to date, in 2022, last year, the pier underwent a major revamp with about, wait for it, five acres of amusements. And Walton Pier is one of the largest undercover fun fairs in East Anglia. Well, I like Walton Pier. Yeah. And not far away, you can walk there, it's only a few miles away, yeah. of course, is Clacton Pier. Pier of the Year in 2020. You can, you can do lots of things there, Mike. Bit of yeah. ten-pin bowling if you fancy it. There's a, there's a seaquarium. Which a seaquarium? I, I'm not sure the difference between an aquarium and a seaquarium, but the, you can play golf, um, you eat and drink, of course. Um so it's got an RNA lifeboat, like many peers have. Yeah. Um, Second World War, again, it was a sort of one that was, they were worried about the Nazis using it, and, and it actually hit by a German mine, and we've got a, a recording of that, actually, uh-huh. coming up. But uh, the thing about Clacton Pier, I would say, is that uh, it's got some more interesting things. Do you know they used to have dolphins and killer whales there? Oh, wow. Back in the day? Yeah. What a wonderful thing. So while we're pondering the thought that there was a killer whale on Clacton Pier, let's have a little listen to this. Wigan Pier, of course, is an old joke at Wigan's expense. There isn't a pier. Usually a pier is a pretty frivolous thing on a seafront. So pretending that Wigan has a pier is a way of underlining the town's ugliness, like putting a beauty spot on the face of a plain woman. Well, the original Wigan Pier was just over there, so I believe. Uh, You say the original one. Was there actually a structure? Well, I think that uh, the collieries used to bring coal down to the pier, and they had a depot over there, and there was an iron structure which they used to use to run the coal trucks down to load the barges up in the canal. And you've placed some value on this Wigan Pier. Oh, yes, it's very valuable. In, in fact, this famous Wigan Pier of ours, we hope, is going to have a preservation order on it very, very soon. We're hoping to get the people uh, going about this. But it's not there. Of course it's there. Anyone can see there's a pier there. It's where the barges tie up and uh, all the machinery and everything. It's just like any other ordinary conventional pier. It's obviously very important to you whether oh, it's there or not. Very important, very important, yes. Well, when is a pier not a pier? When is a Wigan pier? But Mike, you were born near the seaside. You must have some great childhood memories of uh, of, the, of, of life on on a pier near uh, Portsmouth, where you grew up. Yeah, I certainly do, because um, I lived in Calplane, just uh, ten miles from South Sea Pier. And we weren't uh, allowed to go on it during the Second World War, obviously, because it was requisitioned. But I do remember all kinds of um, barbed wire defences on the beaches alongside. Yeah. And uh, all kinds of concrete structures that were to stop um, uh, vehicles coming off um, enemy warships and up the beach. And so as I had that childhood memory, I I thought I'd do a little bit of research and... um, I discovered that um, something not many people know, that um, somewhere about in the 1870s, it was um, Henry VIII witnessed the sinking of his flagship, the Mary Rose, which is now in Portsmouth Dockyard. And uh, it was designed by um, uh, as a passenger terminal for ferries to the Isle of Wight. 
So that would actually be back in 1545. So the Mary Rose was a passenger ferry to the Isle of Wight. <laughs> That's right, and they overloaded it because they had too many people on there trying to get to the needles in the Isle of Wight. And all uh, those caravans, all those medieval yeah. Tudor caravans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they're remarkable. Yeah. And but also that part of the sea, the part of the world, that was pretty important for D-Day, wasn't it, Mike? Absolutely. And uh, there's another piece of history that um, General Eisenhower, who was, um, I think he was the commander-in-chief of the uh, panel, the committee that were responsible for launching D-Day. He was in charge of the whole thing, Mike. He was he the was, governor. Was he? he was, with Montgomery and Churchill, and yeah. uh, he was over them as well. Yeah. I don't think Churchill would have liked Eisenhower that. Eisenhower was the governor. Yeah. Well, he uh, was on the pier watching troops um, getting onto the landing craft. So there's a little moment for you. Wow. And again, the pier was um, partly dismantled to stop enemy forces landing, but yeah. uh, kept open enough to be used for departing. And uh, when things settled down in the 1950s, things got back to normal. A lot of people wouldn't call it normal to have beauty contests, but they were one of the first things to happen. Well, on the yeah, so it that. was a very, very popular pastime, wasn't yeah, it, at the time? I think I saw one of those, and um, yeah, yeah. I, I can't really talk about that. No, well, let's not talk about that, Mike. <laughs> let's move swiftly on to this. P.S. spelt P.S. or postscript is an additional remark at the end of a letter after the signature that provides further information on or a sequel to something. For example, P.S. I'm looking forward to seeing you soon. At the third person present of the verb to peer is P.S. spelled P.E.E.R.S. It means to look keenly or with difficulty at something or someone. Pierce always screws up his eyes whenever he peers through his car's dirty windows. Then there's Pierce, spelt P-I-E-R-C-E. It means to make a hole in something with a sharp instrument. For example, I had to pierce another hole in my belt. The hole can be in the ears, nose, tongue, and other parts of the body so as to wear jewellery in them. I pierced my nose, and my mother lost her sh- Synonyms include penetrate, puncture, perforate, stab, impale, spike, lance. Piers, the word gets everywhere. You're listening to Box 39. 
with Bill Lawrence, Adrian Cohen and Mike Harwood. And this is our End of the Pier show. Our celebration of those magnificent seaside structures, the Pleasure Piers of East Anglia. You are listening to Box 39, magazine of music, community, humour and chat, live from Studio One at Colne Radio Towers, 106.6 FM Colne Radio, with myself, Mike Harwood, and Bill Lawrence, up here in Studio One, and our musicology guru, Adrian Cohen, in the Music Library. Now, what exactly did you ask uh, Adrian to do there about Piers? Piers well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a look at the memo I sent him, but... I think he's either I was I was incapable of writing for some reason. Well, I don't know. I'm going to have to take a look, Mike. I don't know what's going on there. It's all, some miscommunication. Anyway, did he get into body piercing? From we're, we're talking about to end of yeah, the show. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's just been distracting him, but I know yeah. he has got a lot of body piercings. <laughs> so I don't know. Anyway, Chroma yeah. Pier, we sent you off to. That's yeah. one of the things that you've charged us on your expenses. Yeah. Sheet, so it better be good. Appreciate that. I hope I've uh, uh, hope I've done it accurately. Otherwise, like the MPs, I'll be getting in trouble. So. <laughs> no, yeah. there's, there's enough zeros and uh, after the decimal point, that's that, fine. That's fine. No, I'm happy with that. Yeah, Chroma is interesting because it's one of the few piers that has an all-year entertainment. Others are seasonal. And it's in its 41st year of being enjoyed by wow. generations of visitors. Fantastic. There's records that Queen Elizabeth actually granted rights to export wheat and barley in 1582, and the proceeds went to the town of Chroma. The other benefits were all kinds of um, entertainment and uh, bringing people together. So for a long time, Chroma's had a peer, and it has been very useful. It, you know, yeah. even, even the royalty noticed it and uh, thought it was a good thing for bringing in food and stuff like that. That's right. But the biggest thing you're talking about there was uh, it's a place for singing and dancing. Yeah, it's a um, 500-seat traditional theatre. Lovely. And uh, they really go for glitz, glamour, comedy, singing, special acts and dance. What did you see when you were there the other day, Mike? I noticed it's on your um, on your expenses sheet. You've put down there four tickets uh, with producers uh, necessary for research. What is it that you saw there? Can you remember? Well, I decided to do some research on storms because there were so many of them and okay. uh, I, had to, I had to go back Back to uh, okay. to London. To so this is a legitimate business expense, then. Yeah, I okay, think. I think fine. what I hope you don't find is that because um, I was enjoying it so much there, I spent a night at the Hotel de Paris, Hotel oh, de Paris, oh, just nice. opposite. Yeah, nice. now that's good research. Tell uh, us about that. Yeah, well, uh, the reason I, I did that on expenses was because um, I had a good memory of. Um, uh, going to the hotel um, some years ago and it was fantastic because it was built in 1830 and some of the teapots I think were possibly made in 1830 the, those kind of lovely silver ones where yeah. the tops don't fit <laughs> yeah, yeah. and again I'm a great one for research why does, I thought why is it Hotel de Paris looking down over Cromer yeah, Pier it's a long way from Paris yeah what I discovered was that it was built in 1830 and Pierre Lafrancois was a son of aristocrats who um, came over to England as they were escaping the French Revolution of um, 1799, the second one. And he was a son and he bought it. So that's why it's called Hotel de Paris. Well, I would say, Mike, every single penny of Wivenhoe residents' money that's been spent on that expenses sheet was not spent in vain. 
coming soon on Cone Radio. Box 39 investigates. That's right, the Box 39 investigates team looks into a story that has the internet going gaga. The intense rivalry between Bungle and Zippy on the 1970s and 1980s children's TV show Rainbow spilled over behind the scenes in ways that Northeast Essex working class viewers of this ITV show were kept in the dark about, as were Northeast Essex middle class viewers who were watching the BBC. The team interviewed Rod, Jane and Freddie in that order, and boy oh boy did they dish the dirt. And the Box 39 Investigates team are going to serve up that dirt exclusively for you, coming soon on Cone Radio. is a Belgian record label founded in 1983 by Kenny Gates and Michael Lambot. Piers' prominent early artists were electronic rock acts like Front 242, Meat, Beat, Manifesto and The Young Gods. Not a lot of people know that. Piers' soap, spelled P-E-A-R-S, is a British brand of transparent soap first produced and sold in 1807 by Andrew Piers at a factory just off Oxford Street in London. It was the world's first mass-produced translucent soap. Piers, spelled P-U-R-S-E in the Northern Irish dialect of English, is a small bag in which one carries money. Piers are the fruit that is arguably the most delicious of all when ripe and soft, but piers are one of the most irritating and alienating of fruits if still insufficiently ripe and still hard. Well, I can 
can tell you today what's in the box. Uh, it's box 39, and we've been talking about chrome up here. And I've got here, Mike has very carefully hidden it all. It wasn't on his expenses. It just said uh, business expense. He's brought me in a whole box of chroma craps. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Mike. And it, it did confuse me when you got that out on the table just there. Yeah. But that's absolutely wonderful. And uh, Did you go and count these yourself, Mike? Well, I'd like to think I went for a swim and um, caught them between my toes, but... Uh, <laughs> well, they are lovely, very meaty, and yeah. such a lot of high proportion of white to brown meat there. It's it's gorgeous. And so now you've got them with a, there's a, have a little squeeze of lemon juice, there's, a, there's some little fresh black pepper on there. Um, uh, you've brought in some whole grain toast. Absolutely combines that sweet flesh of the chroma crab. And uh, you've got a little glass of sherry for me. Yeah. like your absolutely spoiling me. And did you uh, notice that um, I brought in some uh, uh, marsh... Uh, all this green stuff, yeah. It's very vibrant, isn't it? Yeah. I like a bright, bright green. It's a bit, a bit like baby asparagus. It is, uh, isn't it? Um, now, a little bit sort of crisp, yeah. salty. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice indeed. Anyway, well, thank you so much for doing that, Mike. That's a pleasure. And, uh, and, and, and you know, no need to worry about the uh, the expenses. They'll be signed off. Yeah. No worry. No well, problem at all. I thought if I brought you a big enough uh, box of crabs, you'd, uh, you'd, you'd, you'd forget my misdeeds. Well, I, I, I'm just impressed that you spent <laughs> all week catching crabs for me. Yeah. So thank you very much, Mike. That's okay. Okay, so now, um, I actually, I... I, I can't find the email or the text, by the way, for Adrian. I, I must have spoken to him on the phone. I think I must have said, it's a show on peers. I think yeah. that's all I must have said. Anyway, that's, <laughs> we'll, we'll get to the bottom of that. Yeah. Now, Mike, what difference did it make? You know, we got over the Second World War and workers, workers and peers. What's the link between workers and peers? Well, workers from, say, um, Manchester and Liverpool, they wanted to get out and have a bit of fun. So they went to Blackpool or Morecambe. Leeds, I think it might be is it Leeds or is it Birmingham? Is the, long, the city that's longest from the coast? Yeah, Leeds, I, I think. think. it is Leeds, yeah. Well, to um, get the fresh air and away from the drudgery war and work, they headed to Skegness, Farley or Scarborough. Nice, very nice. And uh, we all know where the east end of London workers would go. Yeah. This, yeah. this 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 sort of way, Essex way, South End. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in his day. Clacton, of course, yeah. Margate on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. Well South End, yeah. Clacton, well let's Clacton. focus on South End then, because that's yeah. another one on your list that we sent you to. Yeah. Tell us about the South End Pier. Well, what I discovered was that it's the longest pier in England. And um I measured it with a kind of a domestic tape measure, but took me yeah. a couple of hours, but it's did. one point three four miles long. Well, you've got a long tape measure. I had to keep, you know, putting it and then doing the next bit and the next bit. It took a while, but mm. um, the important thing is it's grade two listed okay. and is more than 100 years old. And I'll tell you what, it's such an iconic structure, the South End on Sea Pier, that the poet John Betterman famously once claimed, the pier is South End. South End is the pier. Well, Betterman, you know, he knew what he was yeah. talking about, didn't he? He did. He was peerless. Oh, I'm getting like Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> so that's about three times longer than the actual high street. Yeah, incredible, isn't it? You could fit three high streets on the pier. Wow. I know there's something strange about the pier, that during the war, it actually became officially classified as a, as a boat, didn't it? As a, as a, a member of Her Majesty's, oh, Navy, yeah. His Majesty's Navy. I know what it was called. It was called the 
HMS Lee and was responsible for organising convoys through the Thames. So the pier won the war, helped UK, helped Britain win the war? Absolutely. Oh, well, yeah. on that point, let's, hear, let's listen to something else that happened in the war, but this time, this was to Clacton Pier. Do you want to go to the seaside? I'm not trying to say that everybody wants to go I fell in love at the seaside I handled my charm with time and sleight of hand A place of pleasure for thousands of holidaymakers This pier on the east coast is now partially a mass of wreckage A German mine floating around on its mission of murder bumped against the pier A terrific explosion followed Two lifeboatmen who were on the pier at the time had just entered the boathouse when the mine exploded. To this they owe their lives. Tom Fairweather was not much hurt, and neither was his companion, though he had the breath knocked out of him for the time. The fortunate thing about the affair is that no lives were lost. Bad enough in all conscience, but it might have been worse. Do you want to go to the seaside? I'm not trying to say that everybody wants to go But I fell in love on the seaside On the seaside In the seaside well, we have alluded very much on this show about piers, Mike, to yeah. the summer entertainment at the seaside. They are a place that many people would consider uh, where you go to watch live entertainment. Maybe not as much as in their heydays, because in the day, when we're probably talking the 50s and the 60s and maybe the start of the 70s, the biggest stars of the day that you'd see on the TV played packed houses two or three times a day. Yeah. And they all wanted the top names for the summer season. And it was a late old season. It was June, July, August, September. So a four-month season. That was a good bit of work for people like Morecambe and Wise and yeah. uh, Frankie Vaughan, Bruce Forsyth, uh, Harry Worth, all sorts. Yeah. I suppose it was like the last bit of variety as well, wouldn't it? Do you know yeah. variety, the sort of people that you'd see in a variety show? Yeah, that's right. And... Um Later on in the early 70s, you had some of the stars of TV on the buses and Stop It Nurse comedy. Um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, 72, very popular, were stars from the Carry On uh, series, Charles Holtree, Kenneth Connor, and Bernard Breslau. They're yeah, very clever. I mean, they yeah. were clever, the, the producers. So they take a, a popular television program, yeah. uh, comedy, which have, there were a lot at that time in the sort of 60s and 70s, yeah. and they transfer it to the theatre on the pier with exactly the same sort of concept as the television programme and just rename it something else. That's right, exactly. To get away with it, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, there was better weather abroad, wasn't it? And in the 70s, yeah. they realised Spain was probably more fun yeah. for many people. But uh, you used to go and watch the seaside entertainers, did you? Yeah. Um, what did you see then? In the 50s, um, I'm just trying to recall... I can tell you some of the ones I didn't see. But yeah. I heard about Frankie Howard, Peter Sellers. Frankie Howard? Oh, yeah. uh, oh. oh no, yeah. no, Mrs. Okay, I can do impressions all night. Go yeah, on, well, okay, well, I'll try another one. Can you do uh, Peter Sellers? He's done so many impressions. Sellers <laughs> would be everyone, wouldn't he? Yeah. Uh, Peter Sellers. Um, can we still? Uh, 
How about Frankie Howard? You could do I it. just did Frankie Howard. Oh, that's what I'm trying to do. I, I, I enjoy oh, it. Oh, so no, Mrs. Can you do it again? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gateway, Ballam, Gateway to the South. That would be Peter Sellers. Ballam, Gateway to the South. Where the excitement is the traffic lights. They're going from red to amber to green and back to red again. Wonderful. Well, we're amusing yeah. ourselves, oh, right? Yeah. Anyway. I'll tell you who I did see. Yeah. There, the Beverly Sisters. All of them? Yeah, well, they have to be, don't they? Otherwise, they're not an act, you see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, three three identical singers, weren't they? Yeah. I'll tell you who I didn't see, but I wasn't, I probably didn't know about him, but it's David Bowie. He played at the South Prey Pier in Southie, really? my local pier, and um, this was the start of his celebrated Ziggy's Stardust. Yeah. And the Spiders from the Mars period. Wow. And apparently, it didn't sell out, which is amazing, but I guess it's early days for him. But it was a full-on performance, and his contract showed that he was paid £225. And one other happening, again, as I said earlier, piers were subject to storms and fires. And the famous one at the South Prey Pier in South Sea was 1974, destroyed by fire during the making of Ken Russell's film, Tommy. Uh-huh. In a scene with Oliver Reed, smoke could be seen, possibly coming from the smoke canisters themselves or from lights overheating. And you can imagine Oliver Reed was quite a fiery person. And uh, you imagine what he was saying when that interrupted the. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> I, I would have been very careful giving uh, Oliver Reed a, a lighter and a cigarette <laughs> and all the beer that he used to drink, yeah. the whiskey. I'm surprised he didn't spontaneously combust. Well, what an ex- interesting time, Mike. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah Okay, well, let's move on to Rockaway Beach. The word piers refers to the small spherical seed or seed pod of a flowering plant. Each pod contains several piers, which can be green or yellow. Botanically, pea pods are a fruit since they contain seeds and develop from the ovary of a flower. Gosh. Piers, spelt P-E-A-E-R-S, is a now archaic word which was once used to refer to itinerant rural peasants who roamed around East Anglia getting a daily wage for picking and shelling peers. Piers, spelled P-E-A-C-E, is another homonym in certain dialects. Recent research has revealed that in the 72 Miss World pageants held since 1951, 97% of the contestants, when asked, what matters the most to you, answered World Piers. And none of the 3% who said something else progressed any further in the competition. And one more, Piers, spelled P-I-E-C-E, is an American English slang word for a revolver or pistol. Rock, rock, rock away, bitch. Rock, rock, rock away, bitch. We can hit you right to rock away, bitch. Rock, rock, rock away, bitch. 
Listening to Box 39, magazine of music, community, humour, and chat live from Studio One at Colm Radio Towers, 106.6 FM, Colm Radio. With myself, Mike Harwood, and Bill Lawrence up here in Studio One, and our musicology guru, Adrian Cohen, in the music library. And, by the way, Adrian's very interesting, amusing commentary there, and we're learning lots of things about various peers and peers. Are we paying him for this? Well, you know, I think contractually, we don't have to. But, you know, he's put in the effort. Yeah. He's put in the hours. Is he's it? come all the way over for his, his trip for on Wivenhoe residence expense. He'll be back in Indonesia by Friday. Yeah, we'll pay him. I think he should. It's entertaining. It's, yeah. it's very, very, very yeah. clever. But just next time, Adrian, you know, do listen. Take that wool out of your ears. Full of fluff. Anyway, <laughs> Southwell Beer. I love Southwold Pier, Mike. It's yeah. my favourite. Yeah. Of all the ones we've talked about, I love Southwold. A unique, truly unique Suffolk town, isn't it, really, Southwold? Um, I think that's the word for it, unique. Yeah. Now, um, it's got uh, restaurants, cafes, fish and chip shops, an amusement arcade, all of that on the pier. And it's got a water clock. There's this guy, Tim Hunkins. He's invented things, hasn't he? And it's, yeah. I don't know if you see it. It's, it's amazing. There's the cheeky boys who drop their trousers to have a wee and yeah. the bathing couple who scrape water. Jeez, it's like modern mechanical inventions. They're all crazy. One of those wank, whack, a banker. Yeah, that was my favourite. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the submarine simulator, the under the pier show. It's great. So. Rent a dog. Don't forget rent a dog. Yeah, and yeah. while you're there, you can smell the hoppy beer wafting through the air from the nearby Adnams Brewery, can't yeah. you? And you can look back off the pier and you've got all those wonderful, beautiful coloured beach huts in a long line there. It is lovely. You've got the lighthouse up there. A real inspiration. And of course, uh, Southwold, it's inspired artists. It's inspired tourists. It's inspired uh, Gordon Brown, our Prime Minister, to go and have his holiday there. But it's also inspired, I know someone that you consider to be one of Britain's most famous authors who made his home there. And that's uh, George Orwell. Tell us a bit about yeah. George Orwell. Well, it's interesting. Um... George Orwell actually lived there and he found um, Southwold to be very class-ridden and interestingly, the pier, which I visited about a year ago, is probably the most well-kept-up, beautifully maintained uh, pier I've ever been in. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it's in good nick. I mean, there's a bit of money in in Southwold, we have to say. It's extended out to sea on the pier. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, getting back to George Orwell, Orwell. who was uh, actually Eric Arthur Blair, Right. Um, the English novelist, essayist, journalist, critic. As you say, strong connections. In 1921, his retired father, mother and sister, moved to Southwold. And um, his father put him in the local school so he could train to become a member of the Indian Imperial Police, like his oh, father. So Blair was a sort of teenager when he moved there, or all well as we'd That's right. better know him. Yeah. yeah, but he didn't stay long. He spent um, several years travelling. And then he lived in Burma uh, with the Imperial Indian Police. But he resigned in 1927 because of, um, I think he disapproved of a lot of the uh, activities that were going on within the Indian Imperial Police. Uh, So he moved to Paris and London, hence the book, fantastic book, Down and Out in Paris and London. Yeah. And how are we going to go full circle in our chats, Mike? How does this link to Wigan Pier that we've talked about well, earlier? Yeah, Road to Wigan Pier, 1937. Which was a book by? George Orwell. 
we don't just make these these shows up. No, do we, Mike? no. And uh, what uh, comes to mind here is um, there is no pier in Wigan. Um, there used to be a kind of a jetty, um, probably a wooden jetty, where where barges uh, and wagons were unloaded, and um, it was actually, uh, I think it was demolished in 1929. But getting back to um, the road to Wigan Pier, why it's called that, is that the first half of the book documents all were sociological investigations of the bleak living conditions among working class people in Lancashire and Yorkshire before World War II. And he said himself that why he chose it, added the pier, was that Wigan is in the middle of the mining areas. The landscape is mostly slag heaps. Wigan has always been picked on as a symbol of ugliness of the industrial areas. So it was a kind of strong metaphor for other deprived areas. Wow, that's a brilliant story there, Mike. You say say that Wigan was a bit unpleasant. Was it dusty? Uh, Here's someone who's dusty. Dusty Springfield. in the Geordie dialect is the word for a snow-covered area or track that is suitable for skiing. Piers is a Polish football club, full name Piers Gliwice, which has the distinction in Europe of not scoring a single goal in the 20 matches leading up to Christmas in the 1976 season. In banking, Piers, spelt P-I-A-S, stands for Payment, Initiation and or Acquiring Services, P-I-A-S, Piers. And finally, Piers is the word for the little plastic sleeve at each end of a shoelace in the Cornish language. And the Breton version is Piers. But these have been kept out of the Oxford Dictionary because of anti-Cornish prejudice. Thank you, Bill, for involving me. That's all the research I have on peers.
29. Open the box. Open the box. Well, you have been listening to Box 39's End of the Pier Show. Um, we have decided to send Adrian a letter of expectation. I think, you know, we have to stick to uh, uh, the contractual obligations that we've got. He'll get a letter of expectation about tonight's performance in the Musicology Lab, uh, probably a re-educational course at Wivenhoe Residence Expense, of course, and he's never going to get that senior presenter's chair, is he, Mike? Oh, well, he's a long way off it, isn't he? He'd be missed in some ways because he's yeah. so original. But, yeah. uh, but it's a letter of expectation. Anyway, yeah. let's, uh, we've got time to look at the text. We've got just about two minutes, so we'll have a quick one there from Mango Dread. What does he say there, Mike? Yeah, Mango Dread from Shrub End says, What's the point of a pier? It's a long way to walk, and then you just have to come back again. And they seem to be always falling down in storms, catching fire or getting into the way of boats. Right. Nothing wrong with the seaside, but I suggest that specially constructed chill-out areas providing free cheese on toast and all the early Pink Floyd albums on nice big headphones built along the seafront will be much better. Great and idea, isn't I'll it? I'll tell you one thing. Yeah. In Southsea, the second pier, Clarence Pier, is unusually built alongside the uh, coast. It doesn't go out. It goes sideways. Sideways. And well, it's, it's on the sea, but it's, uh, it's sideways. I don't know if Mango's dreamt of that or so, was involved in that anyway. One more time for one more text, very quickly, Mike. Okay. Um, Pauline Bush from West Ham. Oh, hello, Stan, uh, Pauline. Pauline says, I hate beers. I don't understand why you're giving important radio airtime to a man whose idea of interviewing honest politicians is to humiliate and ambush them with his unwelcome woke rhetoric. Peers shouldn't be celebrated by Box 39. He should be locked up until his re-education by the government mind alignment representatives can be completed. Well, I think Pauline Bush needs to go on the same uh, re-educational course as Adrian, and we sent another letter of Thank you very much for contacting us, Paul, but I think you've got the wrong peers as well. <laughs> anyway... Peers are weird, aren't they? They're yeah. quintessentially British places. A sort of closed-off microcosm of Britain. You can eat, you can drink, you can get married on them, you can die on them. As a nation, I guess we're quite sentimental. And sentimentality is, along with wood and cast iron, barnacles and windswept cups of tea, are the very building blocks of the great British pier. There is a pier renaissance today, and they fit into their local community as they look like giant centipedes wriggling out to sea. But then the seaside is like a 1970s Czechoslovakian animated film for children, a haven for the surreal, and possibly ripe for a peer review. Now we've got time, quick text flown in here from the CEO, our CEO, uh, our boss from Global Digital Retail here at Com Radio, Lord David Price. He says, that's nice, he says, lovely to hear you talking about the old British peers. My business empire began in 1967 with my first room of slot machines on the Wivenhoe Pier. <laughs> he remembers it. Which, of course, was cruelly smashed to pieces by that wayward Venezuelan Scottish salmon trawler a week after the great storm of 1987. And uh, Lord David goes on, my first manager of that slot empire was, of course, a 20-year-old fresh-faced Bob May, who would have gone on to great things in the global digital retail empire, but he chose to join the fledgling mobile burger van empire just started up by Big Dave, becoming the first presenter on Dave's associated media outlet, 
pirate radio Stanway, one of the greatest sliding doors moments in the history of British radio and for the history of Bob May as well. So, this has been Box 39, our magazine of music, humour, community and chat, live from Studio One here at Colm Radio Towers on 106 FM Colm Radio. I've been Bill Lawrence with Mike Harwood. Yes, so uh, high up here in Studio One on the fourth floor of Colm Radio Towers, looking out over the full and fertile lands of North East Essex, it's time for us to close Box 39 once more. Be seeing you. Be seeing you. been sitting down here in Studio One in the musical. No, is it? What studio is it? This one, the one that's on the first floor. I can't know. They changed the numbers a couple of years back. Um, I, the Musicology Lab used to be on the top floor. 
looking out over the, the the rolling, you know, the fields of, you know, the, the, the stuff here that they say at the end of the show every time. Listen, I mean, to say it's irritating me now um, <laughs> is to put it mildly. <laughs> Let's put it this way. Bill likes a little schnifter. He, he, likes a, he likes the feeling of being a little bit squiffy. And he rang me before I flew back from Jakarta and he said the theme of the show is peers. So I go off and I do my work and then what do I get? Yeah, he's covering up for it. He spent the whole show covering up for it. Lights will guide you home and ignite your bones, and I will try to fix you. Box 39 is a guppy production for Cone Radio and is committed to a varied, equitable and truly inclusive output that properly reflects the ethnic diversity of our community audience. 